Hi, I'm Siobhan, your sales how-to gal. Today's podcast episode, entitled Pigs Get Fat, Hogs Get Bar Complaints, is taken straight from the headlines. Elon Musk is challenging a so-called success fee charged by New York law firm Wachell, Lipton, Rosen, and Katz to enforce the sale of Twitter to Musk. Now, we all remember that Musk was forced to go through with the purchase of Twitter due to a specific performance clause that had been included in the merger and acquisition agreement negotiated and prepared by prior counsel, transactional counsel to Twitter. Wachell was brought in, among other law firms, to enforce that provision. And the deal went through, so Wachell's work was successful. A success fee is another name for a bonus or contingency fee, however. They're common in tort and contract litigation uh, cases. And this was a contract litigation case. So what's the problem? The problem is contingency fees compensate lawyers for risk of non-payment. And bonuses generally are unenforceable because they lack consideration. So the question is, was Wachell's fee a, an appropriate success fee? On its face, the fee was not a contingency fee or a success fee. Wachell entered into an engagement letter where it received 100% of its standard, standard hourly rates, no discount at all. In fact, at the beginning of the representation, when Twitter wasn't certain that the new shareholder Musk would be responsible for the bill, Twitter requested that Wachell give it its standard 15% discount. That's what it normally requires firms to uh, accept when they work with Twitter, 15% off their standard hourly rates. And Wachell said, no, we want full hourly rates. And there was no mention of any contingency component, no, no mention of any um, risk-based compensation. In fact, it wasn't until after the litigation had been settled that Wachell came up with this idea that it wanted to be paid a success fee or a bonus. Twitter's board agreed to the bonus or success fee, but they had already been notified by Musk that they were going to be terminated and they had already written their resignation letters so that they could, I guess, beat him to the punch. And as a parting gift to the guy who was firing them, they gave away 60 or $70 million at Wachell's request. Now, the lesson that Musk should learn from this, obviously, is that if you tell people you're going to fire them, they don't work very hard for you after that. So this is basically a 60 to $70 million prick penalty. And is it enforceable is the question. And if not, what is the proper way to structure a success fee or contingency fee in non-personal injury cases? That's where we're going to end up after this, at the end of this podcast episode. So is the prick penalty enforceable? 
There is no basis in legal ethics to charge a client full hourly rates plus a contingency fee, even if the client is dumb enough to pay you that, dumb enough or otherwise um, incentivized to pay you that. And by incentivized, I don't mean that there was any consideration given. I just mean they considered Elon Musk a prick and they, and they probably have FU money of their own. These officers and directors of tech companies, they have enough money that they don't necessarily need another role as an officer or director of another tech company. So they have FU money and don't behave the way people who don't have FU money behave. To the contrary, lawyers are bound by our rules of ethics of our state bars, and those rules require that we not charge or collect an unreasonable legal fee. And there are some additional facts I need to give you because they indicate that the lawyers knew that they were doing something wrong or they felt that they were doing something wrong because what they did was ask these outgoing officers and directors to pay them on the day that they were being terminated, on the day that they were leaving, even though the firm's normal practice was to give a client 60 days to review an invoice before the the payment became due. So it gave this client in the past 60 days to review its invoices and pay them. And in this last instance, it made the um, client pay within hours of receiving this, this invoice for this um, unexplained success fee, no breakdown as to how it was calculated. Um, it wasn't a percentage of any particular number. It wasn't um, a preset amount. We'll get, you know, $70 million if we're successful. There was no predicate for it, no basis on which to calculate it. And it was due immediately. Also, according to the lawyers for Elon Musk, the attorneys in this instance received more than the investment bankers, the money people. That never happens in an arm's length transaction. The litigators or lawyers never receive more money than the people who are responsible for getting the deal to begin with, for making the the, um, the potential revenue available at all. I mean, available in the first place. So that on its face makes it seem like it's too much money, even if it had been negotiated at the onset, which it was not, it was negotiated after the litigation had been concluded. And those are facts that are going to be hard to dispute by um, Wachell. So, you know, just reading the complaint, most of the facts alleged in it are hard to controvert. And if what the complaint says is true, the conduct is really an embarrassment to that firm and a stain on the legal profession. The firm comes off as, as basically a purse snatcher with a bar license instead of a firearm. When you think about it, the person footing the bill wasn't the person receiving the services. It's like a divorce case where the wealthier spouse has to pay the legal fees for both parties, but it lacked a neutral judge to say, hey, the wife's lawyers have to charge a reasonable fee. They can't charge the husband 
five times more than the husband is paying the husband's own lawyers. There was no neutral arbiter here. The officers and directors of Twitter were supposed to be these neutral arbiters, and they clearly were not. Now, even though I think this particular fee was out of bounds, unethical, I don't discourage the use of success fees or um, contingent fees outside of the personal injury area. I think they should be used in any situation where an attorney is delivering value to the client beyond what can be captured by punching a clock as an hourly um, attorney provi uh, service provider. So the question is, how should those types of ag agreements be structured so that they are ethical and fair to clients? In my opinion, if a lawyer doesn't want to undertake risk and do a contingency fee or a success fee, they should value bill instead of doing an hourly fee or a flat rate. Just do a, a special type of flat rate called a value bill. What's the difference between a value a billing situation and a success fee or a contingent fee? Well, both are contingent on the outcome, at least partially anyway, but the former a value bill is calculated based upon the economic value derived by or delivered to the client, while the latter is calculated based upon the effort expended by the attorney, plus the likelihood of non-payment or risk of non-payment. In a value billing situation, you can say, hey, I need some basic retainer to make payroll and keep the lights on. But if my work results in your gaining millions of dollars in income or keeping your doors open when you otherwise wouldn't have been able to, then I should be entitled to X amount, an amount that's agreed upon up front, whether that's $100,000 or $90 million. It's reasonable then because it's partially contingent and the client has a reason to agree to it. There's some consideration given for it because they want me to work as hard as I possibly can to get them this outcome of these millions of dollars or keeping their doors open or whatever astronomical and impressive outcome I'm achieving. And that's why they're agreeing to the fee to begin with. So if you want to be paid a bonus, say what that bonus is up front and give a basis for it up front. I'm going to do this and it's going to have this value to you and that's why you're agreeing to it. And you have to make that agreement up front so that the client is depending on this incentive to make you work. You can't wait until after you've expended the, the, the effort and delivered the result and then say, hey, pay me retroactively for something I've already done and that I've already been compensated for in this case fully. So what would I do if I were these lawyers at Wachell? I'd probably say, look, I don't have the reputation of being involved in fee disputes with my clients and I don't wish to establish that type of reputation. So I'm going to settle this dispute with um, this former client and kind of move on because this isn't going to end with the lawsuit 
it's also going to result in a bar complaint. It almost has to based upon the way that the, the, the complaint is structured. It's structured as a violation of bar rules. So the bar may look into it voluntarily, even if a bar complaint isn't filed at this point. And I don't, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes having to explain why they thought this particular behavior was appropriate because it looks completely inappropriate on its face. And it's a bad look for a self-governing profession. We have to remember that the legal profession is self-governing, which makes the appearance of impropriety almost as bad as the impropriety itself. So be a pig, negotiate a nice fat um, value bill for yourself. But don't be a hog because pigs get fat, hogs get bar complaints. I'm Siobhan, your sales how-to gal. Until next time.